Well, we are continuing in our Our God is Greater series, and today we are talking about the fact that God is greater than any enemy, any enemy. And, um, you know, if we think about it, we could all pretty easily come up with examples of, of different types of enemies. You know, maybe it's flesh and blood enemies like uh, the terrorists and criminals that we are constantly reminded of in terms of their existence in our world and in our, in our time with, with ISIS and the different mass shootings that have taken place. It's terrible, terrible stuff. And we look at that and we know that's, that's flesh and blood enemies that we have to contend with at different times. And maybe, maybe we, we think of um, enemies of the gospel or the cross, like uh, liberal media or liberal entertainment industry, they, uh, activism and, and, uh, and protesters. They, they tend to just concentrate on things that are, that are timeless truths of God's word, objective moral standards that come into question and get attacked um, you could rightly call those enemies. And then maybe there's, there's the spiritual enemies in terms of Satan and the demonic host and, and all the activity that they are about and the oppression that we sometimes feel. All of those are examples of enemies, and we could go on and on and on with others. But what enemies can do to us, no matter who we are, is, is that enemies can make us feel small and weak, Right? make us feel small and weak and, and insignificant. And that's not a great feeling. No one naturally enjoys feeling that way. We don't like to feel small. We don't like to feel weak. We don't like to be reminded of our weakness. Ironically, though, the way that it often works for the Christian is that the smaller we are, the more insignificant or out of the picture by human standards we are means that much more we have to depend on God's great strength. And it means all the more his glory and his greatness are going to be made incredibly obvious and undeniable in us. See, that's the good part. That's the good part about being weak. His glory is going to shine that much more in and through our lives and we're going to be forced to depend on him all the much more. Think about Gideon in the Bible. You know, I mean, he was, he was the epitome of, of weakness. And yet God did incredible things through him. And everybody that, that looked at what God was doing, there was no way they could say, oh, look how strong Gideon is. Because he was the total opposite. But God did amazing things and overcame all kinds of enemies of Israel through Gideon. I, I think also of the Lord's response to Paul when Paul asked him three times to remove his constant struggle, his thorn in the flesh, and, and Jesus told him, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. He said, my power works best in weakness. That was, that was what Paul heard. Paul was struggling. He said, Lord, please remove this. Please take this constant weakness out of my life. I'm tired of it. You can relate to that, right? I'm tired of struggling against this thing. Remove it, please. And he asked him three times. And Jesus said, no, Paul, no. It's an odd thing to, to think about. Jesus saying no to Paul about a request that was, was sincere and, and honest and heartfelt and not selfish. Jesus said, no, I'm going to leave it right where it is because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
And Paul said, wow, if if that's the case, then I'm going to glory in my weakness, knowing that Christ has made much of it, in much of of that through me, and and that he's made much in and through this weakness. I'm going to glory in it. It was a great attitude. And we see a powerful example of the truth that, that God performs greatly through weakness in the life of David, particularly in a confrontation that took place with David and Goliath, a very famous confrontation. We're going we're to focus in on 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 50 today. That's the passage we're going to focus on. But before we dive into that, let me just give a quick context and background. Before David was the king, he was the shepherd. And his dad, his father, Jesse, told David to go take some bread to his brothers who were soldiers in Israel's army on the front lines. They were going up against the Philistines, which was a common theme in Israel's history. So you had Israel over here on this hillside. It was a a slope, and there was a valley in between. And on the other hillside or slope was the Philistine army. And the Philistines decided, you know what, let's mix this up a little bit. Let's just not all run at each other all at once like we've always done. Let's select a representative. We're going to select a champion to go before us. And he's going to ask Israel to do the same thing. So who they selected was none other than Goliath. Goliath was about nine and a half feet tall. And he was a warrior. So he's the the champion. He's the representative of the Philistine army and the Philistine people. And he goes over on his slope. And he comes down to the edge there of the valley. And he just shouts over across to Israel. And he says, select a warrior from among you to come out and face me. This was like the ultimate cage match, okay? This was, this was ultimate fighting long before what we see today. I mean, ultimate fighting really isn't that new. We, we see it right here. And so Goliath's like, pick, pick the strongest one from among you. Have him come out. We're going to just do battle face-to-face, man-to-man. Whoever wins will serve the other. If I win, then you and all your people will serve us forever. If you win... If you win, I mean, come on. If you win, if you win, then then we will serve you. <laughs> uh, we'll serve you if if you win. So that was the gauntlet that was thrown down. And and here's David. He's there in the camp. He gives the bread to his brothers. He gives some cheese to the the captain of the guard. And he's just hanging around to see what's going on. He's a teenager. That's what teenage boys do, right? And right as he's there, the the time of the day came for Goliath to do his customary insult. He he came out and he just mocked Israel. He said, come on, send somebody out. Or is your God just not able to supply someone strong enough? Is your God not able to deliver you? And he's just blaspheming God left and right. And David's like, say what? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 he didn't. No, he didn't. And Goliath just keeps going. He's like, all right, guys, go get him. Go get him. Let's go. And he's looking around. And and all the the big, strong soldiers of Israel are, I mean, they're back in the trenches. They're hiding. You know, they're not doing anything. And David's like, are you serious? Really, guys? You're going to just stand here and let him not just insult you, but our God and his glory? Does Does it mean nothing to you? So he says, fine, I'll go do it. And, and he, he, te- he says, I'm not going to stand by and let this, this pagan, this godless man, defame 
God and his glory. I'm going to do something about it. So he gives a stirring speech and, and word gets back to King Saul and David is brought before Saul. And finally, David convinces Saul to let him go out and be the representative to face off against Goliath. I mean, here's a teenage shepherd boy, the smallest of all his brothers, but Saul agrees because he's that desperate. No one else is doing anything about it. So he puts on He puts his armor on David, and Saul, we know from the Bible, was a tall man himself. I mean, he's not Goliath's height, but he stood head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. So he was a tall guy. And so he puts this armor on David, and it's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? And so David realizes pretty quickly this isn't going to work, so he takes off that armor, and he just goes out with with whatever he had on at on at the time, and he picks five smooth stones, and he puts them in his satchel, and he has his sling, and that's it. And he goes off to face Goliath. So Goliath's hurling insults and mocking Israel, and he's saying, come on, let's fight, let's do this thing, let's throw down, where are you? And all of a sudden he sees movement. Over against the other hill, he sees movement in the Israeli army lines. So he's looking, he's waiting to see who it's going to be. All right, who are they going to send? What's their best shot? Let's see this. And then, <laughs> and then out comes David. Little teenage David, shepherd boy David. And Goliath's like, are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Really? This is the best you have? So David comes out. And he walks down to face Goliath, and the, the two are coming closer and closer and closer. And that's where we pick up in the passage. 1 Samuel seventeen forty one. here we go. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. <laughs> the ha 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 is what I added. Um, verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. The Lord will conquer you. You see that? And I will kill you and cut off your head. Nice, right? <laughs> and when I, then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. Oh, you want to talk about the birds and the wild animals? All right, yeah, somebody's, they're going to get fed, all right. But they're going to get fed with you guys, not us. To the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world, watch this, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. See, the whole motivation for David doing this was not selfish or personal. It wasn't so he could say, oh, you think I'm just this little scrawny shepherd boy? Wait, watch out. Look what I'm going to do. That wasn't it. This, the whole motivation behind David stepping out and going up against Goliath was God's greatness and glory. That's, he wanted to defend the name of his God. He wanted to, to proclaim and pronounce the unmatched, unparalleled glory and greatness of God. And he wanted to remind all his fellow Israelites, God's still with us. 
God will deliver. You don't need to be afraid of even someone as big and strong and fierce as Goliath. He's nothing. He's nothing. That's what he was reminding everyone about. So verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And we we read that and and we know how incredible that is, you know, how how powerful of an example this is of what God can do. Uh, But the question still remains, how in the world could David actually do this? Like, how could he accomplish that? I mean, logically, right? How did, how did he, this small teenage shepherd boy, have enough courage and enough faith to go and stand off against Goliath? David was a shepherd. That's all he knew at this point. Goliath was a nine-feet-tall warrior who had been a warrior at least as long as David had been a shepherd, if not longer, from when he was a youth. That's all he had ever known. War, violence, fighting. How in the world could he go out across this field and look up at this giant and not be frozen in fear? How was he able to stand and say what he was, what he was able to, to Goliath? How was he able to just know that this small little stone was going to hit the mark the way it did? I mean, David was a good shot. He, he had proven that over and over. He was pretty, pretty lethal with that slingshot. But I mean, think about it. This is Goliath. This is mighty strong Goliath. And, and for that, that stone to be just at the right spot to hit him in the head to take him down. I mean, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? How in the world did this happen? Well, I want you to visualize. I want you to visualize how David was able to do this and and what his perspective was really like that enabled him to stand and face Goliath and say what he did and see the outcome. So I'm going to actually have a little help here. I'm going to have Micah Belcher. Let's give him a hand. Micah Belcher. And, uh, and Pastor Matthew will join us here in just a second. Come on up. Come on up, Micah. So, so Micah, Micah here, he's going to be our David. All right? Wave, 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 David. Wave to everybody. There we go. All right. And uh, so he's David. You know, he's coming out, and he's small. I mean, he's the smallest of all his brothers. And, and all the, nation, the, the army, the soldiers of Israel, they're probably thinking, No, David, don't do it. No, this, this giant is impossible for you to take down. He's impossible for us. There's no way you, David, little, little David, there's no way you're going to do it. You're not going to be able to, to bring him down. Don't do it, David. No! But David comes out anyway. And there's Goliath. Now, now listen, Micah. I know I'm not that tall, all right? This probably would work better with Aiden uh, proportionally, but, but he's in the nursery, and I can't, I can't disturb him. So, so just pretend I'm a lot taller than I am, okay? Like you have to really look up. Oh, there's Goliath, you know. I'm Goliath. So th- think about how that would have been like, though, for, for David. I mean, David... Uh, we don't know how tall he was, but we know he was the runt of the family, and he's a teenager. And here's Goliath, nine, maybe nine and a half feet tall. I mean, so, so he would have blocked all of David's vision. I mean, he wouldn't be able to see past Goliath. He would have just seen this big, ugly mug. 
right? And this, this just this drooling, nasty mouth and, and beard long and stringy and all this armor. I mean, just, and the breath alone would probably knock David down. Um, and, and that's what he saw. And that's what everybody else saw. All of Israel, all they saw was David and Goliath. And they saw the huge difference in height and the huge difference in, difference in skill and the huge difference in, in everything. And so they were just absolutely waiting for David to be squashed like a little bug. So how was David able to, to stand and face Goliath knowing there was so much physical difference, knowing all the intimidation, knowing how great the enemy of Goliath was to him and all of Israel? How could he do it? It's because David had a very specific perspective. He had a very, very specific perspective that the others forgot about and did not have. Because behind Goliath, behind Goliath, we'll just do this, behind Goliath was someone much, much larger, right? Much larger. Yeah. See, see, David didn't see this big giant that was impossible to defeat, that was impossible to overcome. David saw the greatness and glory of God looming large over a giant that was very small in comparison, right? All right, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Micah. Appreciate that. See, yeah, David, David didn't see a giant that was impossible to defeat. He didn't see what everybody else saw. That wasn't his perspective. Instead, he saw God's greatness and glory completely looming over the giant, overpowering and overshadowing him. And, and, and in comparison, as big as Goliath was, he didn't seem that big compared to the bigness of his God. Right? Right? That perspective that David had allowed him to see Goliath as, as just a big opportunity, a big opportunity for the greatness and glory of God to be on display. And that was an opportunity too big for him to pass up. That's how David was able to do it. That's how he was able to stand and, and say what he did to Goliath and know that God was going to empower him to take him down. That's how. It was all about his perspective. It's what he saw. It's what he believed. It's what he knew. So I have a question for you. I have a question for you. What is your personal Goliath today? What is your personal Goliath this morning? What enemy is looming large in your life? What are you seeing that's blocking out your vision of everything else? What are you seeing that has you frozen in your tracks? What's your giant? What's your enemy? What's your Goliath? Maybe it's an old, unresolved conflict with someone. Maybe it's bitterness or resentment toward an individual or a group of people even. Maybe it's a continuing, reoccurring sin that you just keep battling and it battles you and, and every time you lose. Maybe it's a temptation or addiction that has gotten the best of you more times than you can count. Maybe it's fear, you know, in the form of worry over present circumstances and, and anxiety over how it's going to affect the future. 
Maybe it's some type of true spiritual attack from the enemy. You know, and it has you left weary and, and just totally worn down. Whatever it is, whatever your Goliath is, whatever your giant is that's looming large over you in your life, whatever it is, we can all, believer, we can all choose to embrace the perspective and the truth that David did. We can all choose that. That's before you this morning. That's before me. That's the choice that is there available for us to make. We can have the same perspective that David did with Goliath. That he didn't just see a big giant impossible to defeat. Rather, he saw the greatness and the glory of God bigger than Goliath, bigger than any enemy, looming large, and one that was going to not ever be defeated or changed. That's the perspective David had, and we can choose to do the same thing. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to let your awareness of God's greatness and glory fill your vision. Let the, the, let the vision of, of, of God's greatness and glory, the reality of who He is and what He is, His, his greatness, the fact that he, he is so infinitely more than anything we could ever face, let that fill your vision. And let that shape your perspective. And let it fill your vision and shape your perspective so much that you see every enemy, that you see every enemy that you face as just another opportunity to make God's greatness and glory undeniable to everyone around you. That's what I want to challenge you with today. Please hear me on that. Look at David and what he was able to do. Look at his perspective that he had, which, which hopefully you got visually as, as Pastor Matthew, who always looms large over me, really loomed large over me as I was portraying Goliath. Think about that. Visualize that. And choose to have that perspective. It's available to you to choose. See every enemy you face as just another opportunity to make God's greatness and glory undeniable to everyone around you. Now, I'm not suggesting in any, in any way that having such a perspective is easy or that it, it comes naturally. It's not. It, it doesn't. Trust me, I know. I know that. But it's still the mindset that we have to have, that we absolutely have to have, because let's face it, we're going to struggle against opposition. We're going to face enemies. We're going to come up against giants along the way in our life or in our experience. So this is the mindset, if you are in Christ, that you have to have. But it's only going to happen. You're only going to have this mindset, this perspective, and I'm only going to have this mindset and this perspective through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we're going to do this. It's the only way I'm going to have that vision. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and choosing to depend on Him moment after moment. It's not even enough to choose, on him every, choose to depend on Him every day. That's not enough. Because our whole world can shift. Our whole perspective can be turned upside down in the matter of minutes, right? It's happened for you. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. I mean, everything can just come toppling down. And what is a clear path one minute can suddenly be occupied by a great giant standing in our way without any notice. So it's a moment by moment by moment dependence on the power of the Spirit to have this God-sized perspective. 
That no matter what enemy we face, no matter how large they loom, God is greater. Do you believe that? One, somebody does. Oh, let's all believe that. Let's all believe that. You know, God's word tells us clearly in 1 Peter 5.8 that part of being a Christian means that we will have a very real enemy that's incredibly dangerous. So dangerous that the Bible describes him like a, like a roaring lion on the hunt, on the, on the prowl, a predator. And that enemy is none other than Satan. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, hungry, ravenous, actually, literally, looking whom he can devour. We have an enemy. Let's not forget it. We need to remember that. We need to understand that. We need to keep that in mind that we have an enemy that's out for our ruin. But, oh, Christian, <laughs> even more important to remember than that is to remember that we have the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is Jesus Christ, on our side. And he has already defeated that enemy at the cross and through his resurrection. Oh, come on, guys. You've got to get excited about that. Come on. This means, this means, Christian, my brother, my sister, this means that Satan, no matter how fierce he may be, and he is fierce, no matter how large of an enemy he is, and he's a large enemy, but what this means is that no matter what he is or does, his ultimate and eternal defeat is a done deal. It's done. It's finished. And our Savior, our warrior, our champion, our champion, who represents all of us who are in him, he has allowed us to share in his victory. Amen. And he has given us, feeble as we are, weak as we are, prone to fear like we are, he has given us the ability and the resources to stand against that enemy no matter what. He's given us all we need. He's defeated him. He's given us that victory. And and while we're still here in this existence and in this world and in this flesh, as we go up against the enemy who's already defeated, he's given us everything we need to stand against him. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged. No matter what enemy you're facing in your life, no matter what circumstances loom large like a giant, You have a Savior who has conquered it all. Be encouraged in Christ. Not only is our victory over the enemy secure and complete, so is God's love for us. So is God's love for us. Romans 8, verses 35 and 37 to 39 remind us of that. Look what Paul says there. He says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a good question. It's a good question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, that's a pretty imposing list right there. And at at some point, we've all 
been faced with something like that, something grave, something big, and we've asked that question, will this separate me from the love of God? Is this going to be it? Is this finally the thing that's going to to be that chasm that God just isn't going to reach? I mean, we know that's not true intellectually, but come on, we, we felt that. As you face that, that giant, whatever that has been or maybe is right now, in your heart, your human fleshly heart, that thought is entered. Will this separate me from the love of God? Will this do it? Paul asks that. Will all these things separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ? <laughs> verse 37. For look at verse 37. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's Jesus. That's our lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. In all these things, no, 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 no. It's not going to conquer. It's not going to defeat. We are more than conquerors through him, and that's the key. Not through us, not through our strength, through him. Look what verse 38 says. For I am convinced... It's an absolute fact for me, Paul says, and may it be so for you and for me. May we join with Paul and say, yes, I am absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, not even the prince of demons, Satan himself, neither the present nor the future, which occupies so much of our thinking and and is, is something that allows us to worry so easily. But Paul reminds us, not the present or the future, no matter what lies in wait with either, nor any powers, even though they may be great, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, God is greater, and he always will be. Don't let the enemy convince you otherwise. Don't believe the lies he whispers into your ears that God isn't greater than this, this time, not this time. God is always greater than any enemy. And the victory is already secure, and the victory is available to you and to me every single moment in and through Jesus Christ as we depend on the power of the Spirit given in his name. Do you believe that today? If you do, if you do, then live like it. And I'm saying that to myself as well. Recall that to your mind moment by moment. Surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit so He can recall that to your mind minute after minute after minute. And then go out into the world that is cowering in fear moment by moment at the presence of their enemy, the giant that they see, the prince of this world, Satan, as they cower beneath him, invade that space and say, no, 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 no. I know someone far greater than he can ever be. Do you know him? If not, let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? God is greater. God is greater than any enemy that we would ever face. And the victory over the ultimate enemy, Satan, the victory is already done. It's secure. It's a done deal. I wonder, is it your victory today? 
Is it your victory right now? Are you in Christ? Have you surrendered your mind and your heart and your everything to him? Is he your savior and Lord? Is he your champion right now? That's my question. Because the only way you're going to be victorious, the only way you're going to experience victory in any way, the only way you're going to be able to stand against the enemy, any enemy, is through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive by being in Christ. So I wonder, is there anyone who would say, wow, I'm not in Christ, I don't have that victory, but I want it, I want that power that you're talking about today. I want to be like David, and I want to stand against the giant, and I want to see God looming larger over the giant than the giant is over me. I want to know that, I want to experience that. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone who would say, I am not in Christ this morning, but I want to be? Anyone at all, let me know by just slipping up your hand. There will be people to talk with you, to pray with you, to counsel with you. Anyone at all. Anybody. I'm not in Christ, but I want to be. I want to be victorious over the enemy. Anyone at all? Anybody? Okay, let me ask you this then. My fellow believer, I already asked it, but I'll ask it again. What giant are you facing? What's your Goliath? I don't know what it is. I don't have to know. I've faced my share and will continue to I know we all will as we journey on together through this thing called the Christian life we're going to face giants the important thing to remember is though that our God is always greater than any that we face and I wonder is there a specific area that I don't have to know about but that you would like me to pray still specifically about anyone who would say yeah that's me I, I am really facing a giant who has just whooped me I mean I am just I'm just drained. I'm down for the count. Thank you. Appreciate that honesty. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I really need victory in a very key area, a specific area. Would you pray for me? Anyone? Okay, amen. Listen, church, I want to invite you. If you need to, if you want to, if you feel led, then do it. Come down front if you would like. Kneel at these steps. Turn it into your own personal prayer closet with God. Take whatever is weighing on your mind and heart to Him. There's something that happens in our mind and our heart when we actually physically move and act. So maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to come down and actually just pray and lay yourself bare before the Lord. Or maybe you need to talk with someone and counsel with some, have someone counsel with you. There's two people standing in the back right now. Catch one of us. Talk to one of us if you need to. But most importantly, go to God even right now. Let's pray. Father, indeed you are greater than any and every enemy we face. Last week we talked about how you are greater than, than bad circumstances and so many of us can, can be totally crippled and, and just overwhelmed by the circumstances that come our way and, and it goes hand in hand with the giants that we face and many times they're the same thing. But Father, no matter what our circumstances are or no matter what our enemy is that we're dealing with or that we're facing, you are always greater. We acknowledge that together today. We praise you for that fact. But that doesn't mean it's still not hard. And you know that. And I thank you for knowing that. I just want to pray right now for my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who said, yeah, that's me. I, 
I am facing this, this giant that it's the biggest I've ever seen or I just can't seem to shake and I'm down, I'm weary. Father, I pray that right now, even in these moments, you would just empower them with your spirit in fresh and new ways that you would remind them of all you've done in their life up to this point, that you would let them see the vision of you that looms larger over the giant that they see. Bring victory into their life. Remind them of the victory they already have in and through your son, Jesus. Raise them back up. Help them to stand up again and to go forward with you, I pray. And I pray all of this in the matchless, amazing, great name of Jesus. Amen.